Hey, listeners, if you haven't joined Stitcher Premium yet, well, now's the perfect time. Stitcher Premium gets you completely ad-free episodes of hundreds of shows like Comedy Bang Bang, WTF with Mark Marin, and How Did This Get Made? You also get 21,000 hours of exclusive content, new exclusive originals like Marvel's Wolverine and Issa Rae's Fruit are launching every week for Stitcher Premium members. If you love podcasts, well, you're definitely missing out. When you listen to ad-free apps in Stitcher Premium, your favorite podcasters get paid. Help support your favorite shows and join Stitcher Premium today. For a free month of listening, go to stitcherpremium.com and use promo code HOCKET. This very podcast you're listening to right now has been running for six years strong as of this episode, and we're looking to bring you a whole lot more in the future. We start that feature off with more pop-up cameras and no chins, then we take it over to a foldable phone in 2019, and then, well, who knows, if HTC makes a phone we're interested in next year, if it's still making smartphones next year, we'll look into it. All the mobile tech news, plus an overview of Android P, because there's a better chance you'll be getting into it quicker than you might think. We're crossing wires and getting soldered on the sixth anniversary episode of the Pocket Now Weekly, episode 312, recorded live at 1.02 p.m. Eastern on July 6th. This is the podcast that talks about everything you can fancy in mobile technology, from smartphones to smartwatches and tablets and all the other things that make this life so wonderful and so possible. My name is Jules Wong, news editor for Pocket Now. Good day to you. Joining us in just a few minutes will be our multimedia manager, Jaime Rivera. But in the meantime, we are glad to have on from XDA Developers Creative Director, Mario Serafero. Hello to you, sir. Hello. Thanks for having me. Glad to have you on, and uh, it's definitely a, a nice day to have you on as uh, we uh, delve into some of the things that uh, we might not have uh, done in the past uh, several episodes, especially with Android P. It's kind of, I feel like every time that we go into a developer beta phase, it's kind of, it just, it's always lurking around, but there's never really, like, you have a whole bunch of sites that do, like, little tiny feature mentions that pop up as they tend to explore them, but uh, I feel like we need to have something more in aggregate as we uh, go along here. That's right. That's right. I mean, this is a this is an important release, I think, uh, for Android. It, it it It's coming at a time where there are some major kind of architectural revisions under the hood with Project Travel and ways to speed up updates. Uh, we already see some of that kind of come to fruition with uh the, the way in which the Android P beta is actually being developed and uh, rolled out to other OEMs in a way that we haven't seen before. It's always been limited to Nexus and Pixel phones, and now you can actually try it on a phone like the OnePlus 6, which is great. Um, on top of that, it, it does bring some nifty features. It does bring some optimizations using buzzwords like AI and so on and so forth. So it's an exciting release. Our favorite buzzwords, of course. Of course. So uh, definitely keep that in mind. Uh, we're going to be talking about that in the next maybe 15, 20 minutes or so. And we, we would certainly like you, the listener, the viewers, uh, participating in, in, in this topic, if you can uh, go onto your Twitter account and uh, post a few tweets with the hashtag PN Weekly, uh, maybe contribute your thoughts to 
what might be going on with you and your personal experience, what device that you're using it on. And if you have any questions for our expert here, Mario Serafero, uh, definitely chime in on the comments uh, on Twitter, hashtag PN Weekly. Uh, otherwise, if you're listening on this podcast and would like to just submit a question or a thought or just anything, uh, go on to your email client and type in podcast at pocketnow.com and then just say what you need to, press the send button, and uh, we'll certainly get around to it if we uh, uh, get into another mailbag episode. Uh, for the time being now, uh, we will head straight into the news and we start off with uh, another uh, kind of sad so story that we... we I don't know really if I really want to get into this without like weeping a little bit because I have a little Taiwanese blood in my system. Um, and H2C has been a favorite song for so long in that country. But uh, it's, well, I guess the latest news that we could say is that it posted a monthly revenues for the month of June and uh, a year on year basis. That is a 68% decline and it's the worst that has happened in two years uh with uh i think it was like J april of 2016 that it declined like a 79 or 80 percent so uh and when we're given the raw numbers here this is only two billion new taiwanese dollars which is about 73 million dollars in the u.s and even back then they were making what it was what was the number like 20 million 20 billion and yeah, so definitely just a, a shrinking of scale here. They reported uh, uh, that they were going to cut 1,500 jobs from their Taiwanese factory. And it's just been this uh, heavy kind of slide uh, yeah. ever since then. I wonder what your um, take is on this. Will we see HTC continue on as it is in terms of just producing a flagship smartphone and maybe even main, being able to maintain mid-range or entry-level uh, offerings through the next maybe year? <laughs> well, you know, there, there's been a lot of changes in the company. They also had a bunch of uh, layoffs in their United States division. Uh, I think they're only keeping the HTC Global employees. They they merged their VR and smartphone teams as well. They had a, a change in, in presidency in the smartphone division it's just a lot of volatility in the company right now. Um, their their recent releases have been good. They just haven't been spectacular. And with, with such heavy competition and with such dominance from the likes of Samsung and Huawei, it's very difficult to see them kind of uh, put up a fight at this top end, this premium segment that they've been known for, that in many ways they innovated and pioneered with their uh, aluminum designs and things that other OEMs hadn't done at the time, now they're kind of falling behind in a way that's kind of sad because, like you said, they, they were a giant. They were a favorite, not just in their home country, but also throughout the world. And, and they really helped kickstart Android as a whole and even smartphones before the iPhone. So it is kind of sad. I think that they could do better. There's, I think they need a fundamental focus change that I'm not sure they're undertaking. They, they're getting cash infusions from the sale of engineers to Google and so on. Uh, and that, I think, should keep them afloat for another smartphone generation. Uh, beyond smartphones, they don't have much. They have their, their Vive, and that's pretty much it in terms of what they're and known even for. Even then, 
Yeah, even then, it's still kind of uh, we're still trying to feel out what VR could actually do. The market's um, in sort of a stasis mode right now until we figure out maybe wireless is the way. Maybe wireless can actually uh, get people more motivated to buy headsets. But until then, um, there have also been a couple of uh, these kind of niche projects that have been suggested. One, of course, is uh, the blockchain uh, item that they uh, released or are not released, but have announced and, you know, talking about that and also a potential Vive phone, which I don't know what exactly that would entail, but it's a phone. It's an actual smartphone device. And maybe that would be powering something. Again, the potentials on that would be uncertain at this point. Yeah. Uh, I don't know whether is this kind of uh, another way that they could go and just finding as many niche audiences and super serving them because um, with the blockchain, I remember them talking about uh, how they'll want to aim for because each phone would be a node and they say they're going to achieve probably twice as many nodes as uh, Ethereum uh, currently has. And by that count, I think that was uh, that would be about 40,000, 50,000 uh, sales. Is that even kind of um, a feasible or at least something that they can grab onto for now? I'm really not sure. Um, like you said, kind of uh, super serving a specific, specific niche is something that they could do to move forward. Um, with, with kind of these new ventures... I'm not sure whether they'll find success. They found they found success with the Vive because there is clearly some kind of demand and uh, some kind of established or establishing competition with Oculus and um, what was happening with BRs, not just in desktop, but in smartphones. Um, so they found an issue there. With this whole blockchain thing, well, I think that they're, they're perhaps getting undue attention on their efforts because of the mere word blockchain. Um <laughs> which is another one of these buzzwords that you can use to prop up a project, even if it seems kind of unfeasible or doesn't have kind of the concrete outcomes laid out. Um, I'm not sure whether that's the the way forward. I, I do think that a smartphone company like HTC, uh, I, think, I think the media often kind of uh, underestimates how hard it really is to kill a company like this or for a company like this to just die and disappear. Um, they... We, we've been saying that HTC has been dying for so long that I've lost track. It's been since the M9 that people have been, you know, saying, okay, is, mm-hmm. is, are they going to be in business next year? So they somehow managed to find a way, even if they keep posting double-digit uh, revenue losses and if they uh, keep bleeding money and they keep putting out phones that just people are not really enthused about. If it's only a matter of uh, perseverance, I guess uh, you could say. Uh, uh, One of our regular listeners here, uh, Andrew Wallace on Twitter, has made his uh, thoughts clear for quite a while. And uh, he has this uh, whole long kind of, I wouldn't say postmortem, but definitely a lot of the factors here. Uh, For one, I believe that HTC's R&D hasn't been directed towards any worthwhile features the past couple of years. The Squeeze feature is a flop for the most part. Their audio solution is proprietary, uh, talking about USB-C, and uh, speaker quality is less than original boom sound. Um, HTC's manufacturing quality control has gone down measurably. To your point, they've shut down... uh, other domestic factories that they had direct control over. 
uh, last few teardowns from uh, Zach Jerry Wegg's um, U-Ultra, uh, U-11, U-12+, plus have had several issues, um, and some of this could be with Google's uh, deal to get 2,000 uh, hardware engineers over. So uh, lots of questions uh, going on here, especially as they've declined uh, from carrier partnerships in the U.S. Um, I don't... I don't feel comfortable with this being a post-mortem at all. Like, it sounds like it, and it feels like it. But it just, it's like, there's always that last hope, that last little bit of, hey, remember what this company used to do and how, yeah. and, and, you know, that fuzzy feeling inside. And I don't know how we can convert that towards forward momentum. Right. Yeah, I, I think actually that post-mortem is quite accurate, specifically where it says that, they haven't really directed their R&D towards kind of meaningful features. They've toyed around with buzzwords. They did toy around with Sense and their Sense Assistant and all this stuff that was just terrible by pretty much every measure. Um, it was just not not good. Like it didn't help you really. It was a, kind of a kind of a stain in the AI buzzword too, with the whole launcher widget thing that kind of predicted which app you would use. It was it was really kind of a, a waste of buzzword and marketing. Yeah, that sense companion really wasn't uh, yeah. anything worthwhile. Yeah, and and a lot of stuff like that, even like their key features, like audio quality that they were known for and, and revered for, and they backtracked and backpedal on that front. LG took the crown on that, and they're kind of running with it at this point. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, definitely a f- lot of things, especially prestige pricing, their uh, kind of habits of just pricing perceivably overpricing phones that and keeping them at that price for uh an eternity before they uh, start chopping down those prices it's just a whole bunch of it doesn't feel good it's like apple done wrong <laughs> uh so yeah i mean again we cross their fingers hope that uh, the future brings them brightness uh although when we were talking about june uh, apples to apples comparison here because they launched the U11 in late May towards June and the U12 Plus also the same thing. So, and to see that kind of decline is kind of uh, very, very galling. Yeah. Uh, so, and the phones yeah. aren't bad. I mean, they are just unpe- unspectacular in the market that's just saturated with good options at cheaper prices, too. Good options, you say? Kind of like the Honor 10 GT with <laughs> eight gigabytes of RAM and and GPU turbo technology. Yeah, um, I understand that you have a few thoughts about how all, all of this connects and how Huawei's doing things, and uh, I also understand that you have a disclosure to make as well. Oh yeah, um, uh, first of all, uh, Honor sponsors XDA, uh, specifically uh, parts of the XDA portal and XDA TV, um, and they also do engage a lot with our developer community. Uh, that out of the way, uh, I think you'll find that I don't necessarily have extremely positive things to say about this. Um, it, it's it's a weird re-release. So they're upping the RAM, which I don't think that people necessarily had too many complaints about. Um, certainly, uh, their, their ROM has traditionally had issues with uh, RAM management. Uh, there's been a lot of reviews in the past would mention how they would be listening to music and it would just kill off their music player when they turn off the screen and so on. It, 
it was needlessly aggressive. It was needlessly aggressive, exactly. Uh, but it's gotten much better to the point where current flagships do the, the pretty good job at just keeping the core apps that you need in RAM. Uh, uh, I personally haven't heard any of our editors have any significant issues with it lately. So adding two gigs of RAM would be a first for Huawei slash Honor flagships in a sense. And um, it puts them on a more competitive footing uh, with devices like the OnePlus 6. Um, the GPU turbo side of the equation is extremely weird to me. Um, I've asked for a white paper and what I've gotten is basically not much. I, In fact, I, I ended up more confused after reading it just because it didn't actually have technical specifics. And uh, it was just basically a rehearsal of the details that we already know and uh, some fancy graphs, but that's, that's it. So I don't really actually know what they're doing. And this is something that frustrates me a bit with Huawei and Honor. Um, they introduce all these different changes, um, but they never kind of disclose what it actually does and how it actually helps and how it achieves performance gains to the point where sometimes, especially with Huawei, it's a bit misleading how they say that the MPU can help your uh, regular UI experience, which I don't quite see how they're doing that. For example, yeah. Apparently, this uh, was also featured on the Honor 9i uh, yeah. back, uh, well, just a month ago, actually. Uh, and because uh, uh, we go into like the Kieran chip that they use, it's the you know kind of an edited ARM reference design. Yeah. But I think they also take on the Mali uh, yes. GPU uh, reference as well. Yeah. And I suspect it just could be just a. Uh, they, they characterize it as a mode, so it just could, it could be pure overclocking, but um, it, I'm not sure it, what kind it's of... It's complicated, yeah. though, because the... So the tragedy with Kyron GPUs, well, it's the fact that they're kind of sourcing it from 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 ARM, is the problem is that uh, there's still a generation or two behind Snapdragon and Qualcomm Adreno, but, but that is just if we're looking at peak performance. Uh, the, the real story, I think, is in the fact that um, in terms of efficiency, Kyrian, the Kyrian's GPU, the Mali, the Mali line still has a long way to go. So yeah, sure, uh, the peak performance difference can be 30% uh, from at any current generation battle. and But even that's misleading because the Adreno is just so much more power efficient. So yeah, you can hit those peak performance numbers, but you can't sustain them as well. And it's certainly you don't want to sustain them, not just because of heat, but because of battery drain. So kind of say, calling a GPU turbo on a GPU that's not only not as powerful, but also a really power thirsty, it doesn't kind of instill that confidence in me that I actually want to even use that mode. I'm not sure, because... Uh... Correct me if I'm wrong, because Huawei also does a uh, is very progressive in terms of the adapter-based technologies for charging, and I'm not sure if they're the ones that we're marketing with. Uh, you're able to charge your phone very, uh, still very quickly, even while you're gaming. It could be that, it could be Xiaomi or something, but I, I don't uh, that's know. One, uh, that's one plus does that, but Huawei's technology, so we tested this at XDA, we actually did like this fast charging test while running benchmarks, and um, mm. it, 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 and you can see kind of okay how much does each charger throttle, um, and the supercharged Huawei supercharged did perform really admirably in that test in the sense that it didn't like really slow down as much as other standards, 
So in that sense, yeah, that does kind of work. That does kind of help. And I guess to kind of wrap this all up, uh, what does this kind of show about the Honor brand that Huawei, um, Huawei is able to or is willing to put up or just wants to put up something like this to uh, have Honor shine a little bit more? Um, or is it just, just the part of the youth imaging um, <laughs> catering natives. towards maybe yeah, India-oriented teens or yeah. like Korea-oriented? Like, the, you know, spec-heavy kind of thing going on as opposed yeah. to... Um, Loving Leica every second with uh, 15 <laughs> lenses on their uh, oh, man. cameras. Yeah. Yeah. At one point, they're just going to say, screw everything. We're doing four cameras. Um, no, I think could that it could. It will happen. <laughs> um, in any case, I think it's a really, 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 really solid product. I mean, uh, my criticism of kind of GPU Turbo and, and uh, all these kind of different tweaks that they do, but they never really specify what it's doing or how it helps. That aside, it's a really, really compelling package at a price that's really difficult to beat. Like if you look at the the spectrum of of uh, phones that can compete at that price, offering such heavy specs and such a premium design with uh, that level of build quality and so on, um, you have very few options. You have phones like the OnePlus 6. Uh, I guess you could say the Moto C3 Play, but that phone is under spec in comparison. It doesn't have as many of the niceties that Honor can borrow from Huawei. So I think it's a really compelling package. I'm not just saying this uh, because I've gotten to play with the phones because of sponsorship and so on. Like it's, it's objectively a very compelling hardware package. Whether the user experience and the software, uh, they do try to kind of market it towards digital natives. Whether that's something for enthusiasts in particular, I'm not 100% sure because the media still criticizes anything that's not stock Android. Uh, sometimes with merit, sometimes just out of uh, some irrational love for Google stuff. Oh, yeah, totally. And there's also the practicalities of bringing over an Honor 10 that uh, doesn't actually necessarily uh, work with uh, your carrier. Uh, also, just uh, it's... Yeah. I mean, there's also the, the um, government <laughs> that's kind of trying to squash <laughs> yeah. things down. Yeah. Uh, to put it gently. Yeah, uh, very so, gently. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more uh, about all of those um, products in just a second, I guess. Well, I'm just trying to make a transition over to something that I don't still quite understand, but the a Samsung flip phone, um, they've been doing this uh, W series where they pack in all the modern Android specs. It runs Android. It has two screens uh, with a T9 keyboard, but there's a Snapdragon 835 or 845 or you know, the latest one with all the RAM that you need. And um, I believe it was the W2018 last year that launched with the adjustable aperture feature that the Galaxy S9 had next with the uh, F1.5 to F2.4 uh, settings physically. Uh, so dual cameras, um, what do you expect? What do you what, what do you expect to see out of, a flip phone and also do you want one <clears throat> well i guess i can't allow myself to want one just because i know that i can't get one um uh, first of all it's it's, it's prohibitedly expensive. it's a china yeah it's a china only product too you're right and and then there's the fact that you would have to import it i know that my boss uh loves these phones for some reason that i can't comprehend um i personally i'm okay if flip phones disappear forever that's just me. 
Uh, there's some kind of old phone formats that I miss. Like I, I do like the new BlackBerry stuff with the physical keyboards, but this flip phone, it, it, it's a hard marriage, you know, kind of uh, getting the, the, the modern smartphone format into a flip phone. But if anyone can engineer it, it's Samsung. I think that the phone is interesting. It's certainly cool. Like it's a phone that, uh, it's a head turner and um, it's an interesting concept. I just can't allow myself to want it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, totally. Especially as, you know, the software links towards those things are either just not being updated or abandoned completely. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Ugh, and that's a problem to... more, more, especially a big problem nowadays. So, I mean, we might just have to leave it to the likes of uh, Virtu and uh, the audience that that would have had. Um, if it were still existing right now. Uh, would like to take the moment here to uh, welcome in our multimedia manager, Jaime Rivera. Hello to you, sir. Hello. How's everything? Hey, dude. Hello. Long time to, to see, see you again. Yeah. How's everything, Mario? Pretty good. I'm sad for Argentina, man. I'm sad. <laughs> oh, man, don't mention it. I- I've heard it a lot of times. <laughs> I'm sad for Argentina, I've, man. I've done the, the my morning. Played- <laughs> and now Uruguay is out, man. Oh god! We, well, at we, least is, we had our hopes. Is, Mex- yeah. is Mexico still in? What is Mexico still in? Oh my god, Mexico lost a long time ago. They did a great, they did a great time, to- great job though. I think uh, Mexico had the strongest, most difficult. Uh, they had the most difficult group, and they pulled their strings, man. They yeah. did an amazing, an amazing feat. Like I, I'm, I was really sad when when Mexico was out as well. I mean, I'm only in it for the uh, consulate uh, drinking with the uh, Mexicans outside the embassy. You know, <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, no, no. My my funny story was right now that I was in Frankfurt. I was in Frankfurt a few days ago. I was drinking beer, having the best fun at this beer garden in, in, in Frankfurt. Obviously, all these Germans just so happy with their team about to play, and they lost. <laughs> so, so I was like, oh, my God, how beautiful it is to watch a World Cup game of Germany in Germany. And it turns out they lose. That, that, was, that was sad. The most disappointing thing that you could ever experience while on a trip to uh catch some views with your Huawei P20 Pro. I know that you might have some some thoughts uh, on that a little bit later. Uh, I do want to transition, though, right now to our Android P segment, where um, we kind of catch up with what's been going on. Uh, this week, we just uh, got the fourth developer preview and the third public beta stage uh, going on. And uh, for the most part, uh, in terms of my you know, just top level perception of it because I've been using it on my uh, Pixel 2 here. Uh, it still kind of runs the same. You still got the annoying gesture thing that they're still trying to do at the bottom navigation bar. I still don't like the multitasking kind of uh, dual paradigm that, that that has. Or if you're trying to like swipe up, it's just, it doesn't feel natural. Um, but I was wondering if. Uh, like kind of the everyday experience uh, that you guys, uh, either of you have uh, had with Android P so far. Yeah, I, I I do like a lot of the micro optimizations that they're doing here and there, mostly in the UI. I like, for example, the um, the fact that you've got the uh, a bunch of menus to the side, like the volume menu, the power menu. I like that you've got the screenshot the screenshot button uh, in the power menu. All those little things are cool. You got the, the screenshot editor. 
some of that is kind of playing catch up because a lot of other phones have had screenshot editors. It's just a really convenient feature. Um, you know, they're doing some tweaks with like making Android uh, the, the always on display more convenient, like putting the battery mode, kind of redesigning notifications as well. There's a lot. It's a lot there. You know, they kind of moving away from that old material design. Now they got a new spec and um, it's interesting. I just don't think it kind of fundamentally changes the user experience in a way uh, such as NuGet kind of did for me at least. Um, it doesn't kind of introduce any of this big features, just small little changes, optimizations in the background and the architectural revision of Project Travel, which uh, it's, it's being finalized, which means that you can actually see it come to you know, bring what it was promising to bring all this time. Yeah, definitely. I will say that I have noticed uh, the little improvements they have done to uh, the ambient display functions. And it's nice to see that uh, kind of a basic Android feature that um, Samsung and the like, Motorola, have uh, done and uh, get that brought in AOSP and then uh, moved on to sort of a more mature state just and have everyone be able to take advantage of it. Yeah. So. You know, that's nice. And uh, also Project Treble, which hasn't had the best start. I mean, we're talking about Android and fragmentation and kind of mm. the, the clinginess, because this was originally an Oreo feature, or at least something that was um, brought alongside with Oreo. And the, I guess, wait, am I talking about the part? No. Well, the partitions do make it very helpful and useful to, yeah. you know, streamline the process quickly, but... It's just a, being able to upload your kind of puzzle piece to an update package, uh, be it whether you're a chip manufacturer or uh, the phone manufacturer or the carrier, and um, just have that, you know, boom, done quickly. So um, tell me more about the progress that uh, Treble has made so far. Well, um, so like you said, Treble is a re-architecturing of Android in the sense that you know that OEMs no longer need to wait for a lot of puzzle pieces in order to put together their OTAs. Uh, this makes it easier for them to kind of update and roll out updates, but also it makes it easier for just about anyone to kind of uh, flash a system image. So something that we've been very proud of at XCA, something that our developers have been doing is making these, uh, these global system images that you can flash mm -hmm. onto any travel enabled device. Um, which is great because you can basically grab one common ROM, one common AOSB build, and more or less painlessly flash it across a myriad of phones with different specifications and so on. So that is actually pretty cool. And that, that I think is a testament of how powerful Project Treble is because if developers can do this and can do it so quickly um, and so painlessly, despite all the kind of... Uh, different hardware variations, it still works across devices. It kind of gives you a clue of just how meaningful it is. I just don't think it was kind of finished and uh, I don't think every develop uh, every OEM was on board uh, last cycle. So I think that now we're actually seeing it come to fruition, especially now that we have this new developer preview, you already see the developer preview arriving on uh, OEM devices and they even come with their small little tweaks, their small little UI features and so on and so forth and really? i think that's really powerful yeah. hmm. interesting i haven't i haven't I have, i've actually been oh my god so i need to visit the xda forum again <laughs> so i wasn't aware that you guys were building all this oh my god that it's is so exciting. cool yeah yeah i mean you can you can even grab a kyrian uh chipset phone like you can grab a a, a, okay. a huawei phone 
which traditionally have been really, really hard to develop custom runs for just because the, the sources were not there in full. There was no documentation for uh, developers to be able to bring uh, AOSP ROMs just fully working on that. And it doesn't matter anymore because you can just flash this one image and the developer doesn't need to concern himself with uh, all the little changes that need to be made. Uh, and, and the user specifically doesn't need to concern himself with all this stuff. You just flash it and it works. And it's been working for a while now. Um, I think it was at CES, we even had uh, uh, the first, uh, I think it was the Mate 10 Pro running AOSP. And it, it, it pretty much worked. I mean, it performed really great. Wow. Some stuff was more or less not perfect, but it's been being worked on and it, it works pretty well. It's got a lot of potential. Nice, That's nice. Now tell me something. How how have you seen, uh, for example, the you know the progress of ROM, of of Android P on other phones that are not the Pixel? Because I've been reluctant to you to load Android P on my Pixel. I've been meaning to do it on a OnePlus Six, but then I hear that that the just you know just the build is just so terribly implemented on any other phone that's not the Pixel yet. Yeah. Um. So I tried both OnePlus uh, Six beta builds. Um. The first one was hot trash. Um, it, it's just, it was just really bad. Um, it had a lot of bugs, a lot of app closes, uh, a lot of issues with notification rendering. And um, it, you could tell that it was unfinished because it barely had any OnePlus features. The settings menu was just pretty much borrowed straight from the uh, AOSB uh, settings APK. Um, it, was, it was very unfinished in that sense. Uh, move over to the, the Android, the, the, the next beta on the OnePlus 6. And you can already see not just that it's more finished, but you can also even see hints of where OnePlus is taking Oxygen OS, which is really interesting because it not only has changes that look a lot more different than uh, Google's uh, Android P AOSP kind of flavor, uh, it also looks different from the Oxygen OS that you find on current OnePlus devices on the stable branch, uh, which is really interesting. They have kind of a new design language going on. They implemented a few little uh, uh, design design changes as well and more customization options that are now making their way to the uh, the beta branch. So it's pretty cool in the sense that, yeah, they're, they're adding their changes and they work. The features, the OnePlus features work. I think most of them work. I'm not running that build because it still has problems. Bluetooth just doesn't yeah. work at all. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> and that, that's a deal breaker, you know? I, I can't really run it yeah, if no, I don't have Bluetooth. But... But it yeah. is interesting. You can see that uh, they're bringing the update faster. Uh, I think Project Travel in particular is probably one of the reasons why OnePlus is committing to software support in a way that they haven't before. Just this week, they had announced that, okay, we're actually committing to two years of software support, software updates. Oh, okay. Uh, and why they're bringing Project Travel to the OnePlus 5 and 5T, uh, it's already on the beta branch. And and they had said that they wouldn't do it before. I think that seeing they're seeing that it comes with some nifty benefits and um i definitely see that uh the the it's shaping up it's not there yet lots of bugs but it's nice and it, it kind of works it, it's it's an interesting I'll, I'll, I'll give it a try yeah. Definitely. I'll give it a try soon. Mm. Uh, definitely interesting uh, developments happening there that ma to make things more plug-and-play friendly. Uh, even with the, you know, just being able to intercept the process uh, for fans to do whatever they would like to do with that. Sort of brings back kind of the uh, uh, days of when you wanted to mod Android and when you... Or, in some cases, when you needed to mod Android to get things uh, to operate how you want them to. And... You know, as we've gone through the years and we kind of felt less of that need going on, um, yeah. it certainly 
does feel like a refreshing uh, new ability to have that back again and have it done easier than ever. Mm-hmm. So uh, definitely cheers to that. Uh, I was wondering uh, if I remembered my hashtag PN Weekly uh, question over here from Renato Laporte, or, well, just a couple of opinions here. Uh, the navigation gestures are a joke on Android P compared <laughs> with what you can achieve with the XDA navigation bar. Props to you guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, ah, interesting. Opening okay. du- uh, I'll ask you about that in just a second. Opening dual yeah. window is a pain in the ass. Uh, and then there's also, in terms of Huawei, uh, Open Kirin for the win. It's only a shame that yes. many parts are still proprietary. It doesn't work on GSI. So, uh, yeah, services definitely uh, kind of lacking still there. Uh, wondering what the XDA mod uh, on the navigation bar is. Yeah, so so it's it, it's an application. People can find it on the Play Store. Um, you get a lot of features just from the, the, the free app as well. Um, and it's basically kind of like the uh, iPhone navigation pill, uh, which you can ju- you can customize it to kind of swipe to the side and swipe up and so on, hold and stuff. And uh, you can set whatever kind of shortcut you want to whatever action you want. And you can also customize the um, the size of the pill, the transparency of the pill, so you can actually make it invisible. In fact, there's a bunch of settings that you can play with to make it basically identical to the uh, OnePlus navigation system, gesture navigation system. You just have to find the right settings. Um, and uh, that might be a mode as well, but it, it's really cool in the sense that uh, it, it does give you that ability. Uh, we're always working on bugs. So if you if you find an issue with it, just hit us up and we'll, we'll fix it. We've been working diligently on addressing all the issues that people have had and expanding the feature set as well. Um, got great people working on it. So... It's been great. It's gotten tons of ins- tons of installs. We were surprised at kind of the reception, and uh, it's nice because it allows people that won't perhaps get Android P, won't get it at all, won't get it in time. It enables them to experience kind of the navigation gestures in a way that uh, gives an even more customization. Two questions. Uh, the first one is, well, you already answered, so you don't need Android P. Pretty much it works on Oreo. Yeah. Uh, the second one is, so one of the reasons why I don't use the navigation gestures on the OnePlus 6 is because I hate that I can't call on the Google Assistant with them. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, actually, I, actually, yeah. I actually use the Google Assistant, and for me, it's like, okay, like, where's the gesture? But then again, I love the concept because it allows you to have a full display, like yeah. in, a full display for everything. Uh, and so I've been like battling with that. Like, is, is, is there a solution on your XDA app? Yeah, you, yeah, definitely. Um, you should be able to kind of link just about anything you want to it. Uh, any shortcut. Um, I'm pretty sure that that's working. If it's not, it'll definitely be working in the near future, but I'm pretty sure that that's the case. Uh, just because of how customizable it is, you can just have any kind of shortcut or to a, to an activity or whatever. Um, and you can do that already on, on other kind of shortcuts as well. So it should be working, and I absolutely understand what you mean, though. Like, it's it's definitely kind of a problem. I think with with kind of the rise so of annoying. convenience keys, it won't be such an issue um, in the yeah. future. But right now, it is kind of a pain. And, and yeah, hashtag convenience key for the camera, everyone. Thank you, mm-hmm. every OEM. Uh-huh. Are you hearing convenience <laughs> keys all over the place? Just have add more buttons, please. Yeah, we don't yeah. need an like, actual buttons, this. not HTC yeah. buttons. You know. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> God! Did you guys? Did you guys see ja- see uh, Zach's video? Uh, Jerry, everything. Yeah, yeah just talking about so that. It, 
so it's funny because I uh, um, so I, I I met with Zach in London. Uh, I already had a review unit. Zach had, hadn't seen it yet, and so I'm like, dude, you have no idea how much I'm waiting to see your video. <laughs> like, and he was like, huh? And you know, you know Zach's voice and everything. It just his demeanor is like, oh, interesting. He's like, oh, okay. And so he starts looking at the foot, and he's like, I can already see where I'm gonna go with this. <laughs> now, here's the thing. I, I buttons are like my biggest phone pet peeve. Like if a phone has wiggly buttons, it just torments me to no end to the point where I can never, st- I, I'll return phones just because the button was a little bit too loose for my taste. Um, but that's good. Right. And, and so when I saw this HTC concert, I'm like, okay, I want stiff buttons, but you've taken it way too far. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of like, but, this but is not I'll how t- I want it I'll, fixed. I'll, I'll, um, especially if she's but I'll tell you, been- I'll tell you this much. It's uh, I have to admire the way Apple has done it with devices like the iPhone eight, iPhone seven, uh, how they do it with the, the force touch trackpad on, on the MacBook. Yeah. Like you seriously, like I remember the first time that I, I touched this force touch trackpad, uh, I'm currently using, by the way, I hate, and I'm sorry about the webcam capabilities of this $3,000 MacBook pro. I, it's one of the things that I hate the most, by the way. But, like, the performance of the trackpad is legendary. Yeah. And, you know, in my review of the U12 Plus, what I said was, listen, I don't really mind if the buttons are capacitive or not, so long as the implementation doesn't mean that I'm pressing a button here and I'm feeling the vibration down here. Like, it, it just yeah. it makes no sense, like, at all. And then you have the problem that it was, it was oh, my God, like, you would press it and you, you couldn't, like, you can control the sensitivity of edge sense, but you couldn't control the sensitivity of the buttons. Like, really? Like, I would rather switch edge, edge sense yeah. off completely, uh, you know? And, and it, for me, it's just, God, that is such a great camera on such a bad phone. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that I think that's my final verdict on the U12 Plus. It is such a great camera, but the phone is just like wow! It's so much of a step back compared to what HTC has done in the past. Yeah. So, yeah. anyways, definitely. And uh, just to follow up, uh, thanks to Andrew Wallace for pointing this out. Uh, Jerry also has a new video today, uh, following up with the uh, U12 Plus's buttons, seeing if they could be uh, quote unquote fixed he has a teardown of uh, that going on so uh, uh i'll update the post uh, we'll link that Good. in uh, the thing the doobly-doo as uh, people used to say don't think anyone says that anymore um let's talk a quick second about the red one plus six it's out july 10th and i believe jaime wants to uh have a little pedestal for it for a second all right so uh carbon fiber case well, that ruins it entirely, right. doesn't it? <laughs> no, but but this is just such a cool combination, man. Oh, okay. uh, oh my God. So uh, two things about OnePlus. Uh, we're working on a comparison. I'm hoping to have it ready for this weekend. Uh, it's kind of a complicated one. But uh, number one, yes, I do love the color. And I love this implementation of red where it's not the glossy black that we had with the first, uh, the mirror black one plus six for me was just annoying. I'm like, please don't send me that unit. I don't want to make a review of it because it's just going to be a nightmare to film. Mm-hmm. And it was, yeah. uh, and then, and then they sent me the silk, uh, the, the matte black one, uh, the midnight black, which is my favorite so far. Uh, it, it looks like if it were aluminum and I love that, but I have been using this phone for a week and I've had a really hard time not using it because number one, it's just, it's in the, it's in between, like it's not as reflective and it's not as matte. It's, it lies somewhere in between. 
I I love the finish. And, and a lot of people would say that, uh, you know, it's just a different color on a phone. It is. I agree. It's just a really cool color. I love the companies are playing that uh, that are they're playing that game where we want to continue giving relevance to these products. So we're going to keep a couple of colors back and we're going to be launching them over time just to get a, a little more buzz on the product. The second thing about OnePlus, uh, just to keep this short, the recent software updates, I would highly suggest you guys look at the camera performance. There have been a lot of improvements since my review. Mm -hmm. A lot of improvements. I I am very shocked. So part of the comparison is going to be literally this phone against a $1,000 phone. Just to show you how much the camera has improved on this phone, with a uh, uh, with comparison to a phone that's twice as expensive, I am shocked. Like the word is shocked. So stay tuned for that. Yeah. I mean, well, we already had the OnePlus Six review out, right? And uh, this is yeah. going to be like a the comparison will serve as somewhat of an update to that. It will serve. It will serve as an update because yes. So the in my review of the OnePlus Six, the camera was good. Like if you notice my comparison with the S Nine Plus, I'm like, all right, it's not an S Nine Plus. It's not. But it's very close. Like, there were a lot of shots that were very close. And I guess it was just the, the, the you know, obviously, you've, you've got a wider aperture on the Galaxy S9. So the performance was better, even though I would I would complain about the shutter speed on the S9 Plus. Like, I feel that it doesn't, it doesn't take the shot when it's supposed to. And so it's really bad on moving subjects. The OnePlus 6 did a better job in that. But then there are certain shots where nothing was moving that the S9 Plus would just, you know, it would win, but not by a long shot. Uh, but yeah, like I feel that a lot has improved in the recent software updates. So look into that and I'll definitely let you, let you know more about it in the comparison. Definitely an update. Yeah, definitely. So, all right. We'll be looking forward to that in the meantime, more news of the week. And, uh, we're starting off with, uh, well, Galaxy S, uh, X, S, 10, S, maybe the S10, X, SX, something. We'll, we'll try and see if we can get the names tangled, untangled. Uh, but in the meantime, the foldable phone that we've been talking about for years now, years. we are talking about every year. Uh, for a every year. Every, every year is the best way to describe it, yeah. Every second for the past... 10 years, I guess you could say. Um, We've seen a lot of those demos of the foldable or the flexible OLED screen technology since maybe 2009. Well, apparently we might be seeing uh, the Galaxy X come to fruition uh, in limited quantities, of course, uh, during CES 2019. So perhaps, uh, you know, around that, maybe Samsung does its usual unpacked thing. I personally think that they'll use the CES uh, sanctioned platform to show it off because it's got a limited appeal in terms of uh, actual consumers. But it it does make for a good showroom piece. So they want to have that at their booth. Um, So perhaps that's something uh, to look forward to. Meanwhile, uh, Galaxy S10, the more conventional, uh, more traditional Android flagship going to be happening around MWC. It happened, uh, the S9 launch happened at MWC, so uh, I guess it's uh, what we could expect reasonably. Uh, And again, things might change, but um, I want to know, as we kind of have like a loose timeline of what to expect, um, how you're feeling towards uh, the foldable phone at this point. We've seen pictures and art and all the stuff in the patents. Um, are you kind of tired out? Are you kind of <laughs> excited, uh, Mario? Um, I can guarantee you that it will be 
a better flexible phone than the LG G Flex. Um, <laughs> that oh, <boy>. sick burn. Jeez. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, we've been we've been teased with this technology for so long. Like, I every time there's an article on XDA on it, I'm like, ah, oh, do I have to use this picture from 2010 again? You know, there's not even that many pictures, and they all have like this outdated, ugly touch whiz on it or whatever. It, we we need to see it come to fruition. We've been seeing it in in all kinds of uh, patents. We've been seeing it at all kinds of like. There's also that cringy one uh, ad with the tablet. I'm not sure if you guys remember. Um, Ooh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Gosh, uh, it, it was not as bad as uh, the Samsung Gear one, the, the Gear Watch one. That was the worst. But uh, that was the yeah. worst. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> I do have a follow up for you, uh, Mario. But um, Jaime, your take. Um. All right. Tablets are on decline. <laughs> They've been on decline yeah. since the iPad four, I guess. And it doesn't matter what Apple has done. Like companies like Samsung barely does tablets now. Huawei has done a few good ones. Uh, so I feel that whatever companies can do to bring some limelight to the tablet space will make sense. Uh, I love that Samsung is bold enough to use their R&D and try to make some money off of it. I mean, phablets exist because of that. So I, I leave it to Samsung. Like, I'm, my my opinion is, uh, show me what you got, you know? I Some people don't know what they need until somebody shows it to them. So I, I, I want tablets to work. Like, I am an avid iPad user. Like, uh, the Pi Now Daily and a lot of the videos that I do are, are uh, possible because of the versatility of certain things that iPads do. Um, and because iPads do it better than certain other tablets, even Windows tablets. Uh, so I, I guess I really want some competition. Right. I really want a tablet, like I, I've, I've, I know friends that are like, they're you know cartoon artists uh, that, that they will tell you like an iPad Pro with an Apple Pencil is just so good. So for me, it's always been like, you know, I love the note form factor. I hate that the note is so small. So if, if they gave me a foldable display with an S Pen, I would love that. So long as the implementation is great. So we'll see. Yeah. Does an S Pen need Bluetooth? <laughs> oh, my God. Well, I'll tell you this much. Like, uh, I hate having something more to charge. But, you know, I, I guess software just needs the the abilities of Bluetooth to provide certain other features. Like right now you don't have the tilt features that are available on the S Pen on the tablet version. I'm forgetting. I'm trying to remember what what tablet uh, Samsung launched with an S Pen uh, and the Chromebook. Like there were tilt features, but they depend on the so on the apps and not the software itself. And the implementation was just really bad. So I guess. I don't know if they're adding the features as long as they don't, they figure out an easy way to charge it. I'm all for it. We'll see. I mean, unless like, you know, you're connecting your Galaxy Note 9 to a DeX or to, if it's like connected to a projector and you're using your pen to move slides, uh, I'm not sure what practical, uh, what practicality um, that sort of thing has. And if the engineering, I, I have to agree. Yeah. In the, if the engineering to make it rechargeable, easily rechargeable, maybe perhaps in the silo. Like, there's a whole bunch of things. It's ridiculous. I'm not sure uh, what will happen. We're going to be there. You and I will be there, Jaime, uh, when we get yeah. to yeah. Atlantic we'll Terminal uh, on the LIRR <laughs> on yeah, August we'll 9th. See. Yeah. yeah. Um, and as for the follow-up that I do want to get back to, just quickly, Mario, 
Uh, I know that we've dealt with software on the Axonm and the Kyocera Echo, if we can remember all the way back there. But it's you know those rigid foldable things, oh which God. are kind of weird. <laughs> I I know this is going to be this is going to require like a blood rush into the head or something. But if there's anything that we can expect, or if there's one thing that we can expect from the first gen software of a foldable phone, what would it be? Um. Well, I think that uh, CTE did a more or less good job with their recent foldable phone. I think that I would expect so something like that. I mean, it's, I mean, they they worked within. You can very much tell that they work within the constraints of Android for this kind of thing. Yeah, I think that Samsung's a, a bit more bold when it comes to just like saying, okay, kind of pushing the boundaries of what Android allows them to do, even if it ends up a bit clunky. Like, look at Dex, right? Um, yeah. Oh. Yeah. I think I think that if if Samsung's going all in with this, they are definitely not gonna um, do kind of a, a you know halfway mesh halfway measure kind of thing. Uh, they, I mean, Samsung Dex it, it's kind of inconvenient. It's not very useful, but it works pretty well. Like it's it's certainly uh, polished to a degree where it's usable, even if it's not useful. Um, I would expect more or less the same. At the same time, if I'm not sure if you guys uh. Uh, follow also what's going on with Surface, and that they also kind of, kind of playing with this format and stuff. They're kind of doing like Surface the whole. Light. I guess yeah, it's like they they're doing little switch thing or something. Right. Like so uh. so there, I think I think it, you know it might just be kind of this bigger untapped market than uh, we're able to predict right now. I mean, obviously, like Jaime, I'm I'm also a tablet user, but I'm a Surface user. Uh, it, it's yeah. It's more, and Surface to me is fantastic. So if Samsung can do something that gives me the Surface tablet potential, perhaps by modifying Dex in some way and making it tablet friendly, I don't know, um, while also keeping it in a phone for- format, to me that would be invaluable just because I do actually use my Note a lot. I do use the S Pen a lot. And I do use my yeah. Surface tablet a lot because I got a pen. Um, yeah. So if they can manage that, I would like that. I, I, would, I would actually consider it. I, I, I- I wish they came up with a concept like this one, mm-hmm. where you have a phone mm-hmm. with a screen, yeah. and it's got a modular connector, and you can just add another screen to it if you want, or something stupid like that. I don't know. It's just, for me, the unless, unless the, so what was my problem with the Axon M? I'm like, all right, those borders are going to rip my jeans, man. <laughs> uh, it was like with the, it was like with the razor phone as well. Like shoot, like I get that that design looks great on a laptop, but it doesn't look good on a phone and it won't perform well on my jeans, man. Um, and so if, why would I need to carry a tablet? Yeah. Within a phone, uh, <laughs> If I won't always use it, I would rather they give me like a detachable keyboard on the surface. They would give me a modular second screen, uh, like a second monitor that I could snap on and extend and make it a tablet when I need to. Mm -hmm. And it's just an accessory that I buy for 200 bucks than for me to have something that I don't need to always be carrying. So I love the concept of the Switch because of that. You can add the controls when you need them. You don't add the controls when you don't. And that's it, you know? And it, be- and it becomes portable when you want it to, and it's not portable when you don't. I love that concept. Yeah. I think they're a little yeah. bit too invested into this foldable technology. I mean, it's been going on for yeah. so many years. They got to they gotta yeah. put it out there at some point. And um, as, as, as much as I think that your solution would be more practical, I think that Samsung's just too far, too deep into this to, to kind of go modular now. 
Yeah. We'll see. I mean, we'll see. there has to be a, a spectacle part to it. I'm not sure if that kind of modular thing would be something that would capture the attention and keep it uh, for, you know, the amount of time it needs to right. convert a sale. So, I mean, I definitely hope that, you know, someone out there is taking that seriously. And uh, we'll we'll have to see. We'll have to move on, though. And uh, just a quick topic on, on um, iPhones in terms of who's buying them. So... Uh, CIRP, which is a research firm, uh, does rolling surveys over the course of the year on who's buying which iPhone, uh, be it an iOS native, you could say, who has been on iOS for a while. And uh, just a recent Android switcher, uh, which uh, CRP estimates that around 50 to 20% of any given year's uh, iPhone sales come from those Android switchers. And it turns out, uh, to sum up the results here, that iOS natives are more willing to go for the likes of the iPhone 10 and iPhone 8, uh, more so than Android switchers, which uh, tend to start off, uh, you know, with a, a iPhone SE, uh, iPhone 7, uh, older models or more affordable models. And I guess... Uh, just want to relay it back to you guys in terms of I'm not you know I'm not saying in terms of uh, you know your own personal 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 experiences but maybe like you know people that you've talked with your family your friends whatnot like uh, how do they feel if they've uh, ever dealt with this kind of dilemma? Um, yeah, I, I think it makes complete sense. I mean, if you think about it, the people that really want to switch away from Android are usually people that have bad experiences with Android. And the bad experiences with Android are usually found in the low to mid end of things. So uh, I would like to see whether it discriminates, whether uh, it's it's people switching from flagship Android devices to kind of lower end iPhones. That would be surprising. If it's just people switching from Android to lower end iPhones, it makes sense. Because if they have a pretty bad experience with a bad Android phone that just happens to be in the mid-range and they're in the market for a mid-range, they can't really kind of say, okay, I've been, I've been burned by the mid-range, therefore I'm going to go all out, I'm going to buy a, a, the muster-up for the best iPhone. Most people can't do that. Uh, and even if they're really, really frustrated with their Android experience, most people that have those Android experiences, I would presume, would also be the people that have uh, kind of least expensive Android phones. So... I think it makes sense to me. I mean, I always recommend iPhones to people who who really, really just can't deal with Android. Um, even though I personally have never really used an iPhone and for long ex- periods of time, at least. Yeah, definitely. And in my case, it's interesting. I mean, I feel I my response would be I love surveys because surveys depend on where you survey people. Like what? Like yeah. it, it even depends on what state you live on. I mean, I will tell you this much. Like. New York City is one of the most interesting cities in, in what pertains to the amount of wealth there is and just the disparity there is as well when it comes to poverty. I have never seen a city with older cars in the United States. And therefore, in the same way, I have never seen a city with older iPhones on subways. Uh, so I think it has a lot to do. It depends on where the survey was done, man. And the second thing is, it, like one of the things that I feel that Apple has played well that Android has not played well is long, longevity. Mm-hmm. I think that's the word. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see people with iPhone fours, man, uh, and because for some people a phone is just a tool, it's a communications tool that they use for you know for making phone calls, and I feel that that's the vast majority of the market uh, where people are not really interested in in coughing up forty, fifty bucks a month for the latest 
flagship or the latest iPhone. They just want a phone that makes good phone calls, takes good photos. Uh, and ever since the iPhone 4, man, that phone takes good photos. Uh, so I, I feel that it, you know, it really depends. Like I, I've noticed, I remember when the Galaxy S4 was launched, so many people switched to iPhones after that because that phone was just so bad. And so that, that gave like a really bad name to Android back in the day. Uh, it was the time that most people switched to iPhones. I remember those surveys. And then the Galaxy S5 was such a flop. Uh, so I don't know, man. I, I feel that, uh, again, depends on where you are. And, and I, I have props to, you know, kudos to Apple for for doing a good job and, and pertaining software updates to their phones yeah. way ahead of like right now, iOS 12 is going to support all the same phones that iOS 11 supported. Uh, you don't see that very often. I mean, we saw Apple support the iPad 2 for like seven years or something like that. So no, not, not seven years, like five years, I think it was. The iPads are not that old. But yeah, I mean, I, I feel that uh, the more Android figures out how to fix their software update problems and just uh, ensure that users get a, a reliable experience for a decent amount of years, the more popular Android's going to be for switchers. That's my opinion. Perhaps. And uh, definitely want to hear your comments about that too, you listener, you viewer. Uh, so uh, type in and uh, hashtag PN Weekly, podcast at pocketnow.com. Uh, anything that you want to give into uh, insights on this. We'll talk about it a little bit more as uh, as these things typically just uh, keep happening. They, they come up in cycles. Uh, and uh, finally, this week, we want to go and talk about the Mi Mix 3 from Xiaomi. Um, we haven't had anything teased out yet, but we've seen Weibo go all crazy with... Uh, this uh, new leaked photo of the Mi Mix 3, perhaps, with a uniform bezel around this huge display and no chin whatsoever. It's kind of this Mi Mix uh, crusade against bezels that started out with the top end, and then there's still been this chin that has uh, kept on stubbornly. Uh, so, I don't know. Does, does this leaked picture uh, do anything for its veracity? Not sure. There's also... Uh, something that's less kind of uh, verifiable at this point, which is a teaser that's kind of half-baked, but apparently uh, we might see The Light of Me come out in September, and um, the, the little silhouette that it's showing infers, or implies, excuse me, that uh, we are seeing a pop-up camera. And uh, I think I'd be okay with the, this kind of advancement in technology. Not, you know, I'm not, because I'm not really a fan of what the Oppo Find X did in terms of, you know, moving parts, servos, and whatnot. Like, this is it's just a spring-loaded part, and, uh, well, you get very little compromise in terms of service, uh, service life for the device and whatnot. I, I'm curious what, to, what you guys uh, think about this, though. Uh, yeah, I think... I mean, it's kind of expected, right? If there's kind of any kind of lineup that would do away with the chin or be one of the first to do, do away with the chin on Android, it would be this lineup. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if the leaks are accurate. Uh, as for kind of the spring-loaded mechanism, so we're seeing, um, I, I can't say I'm a big fan. Like, I, I stuff like glass, for example, I'm, I'm super 
super cautious about sand and dust and stuff because I don't want my grass scratch. I don't want stuff getting in between cracks of my phone and stuff. I can see this being a problem, especially with such mechanisms. Definitely a valid concern. Yeah. Definitely. But um, Xiaomi has been doing a good thing with these phones. They definitely feel premium. They definitely look the part. Um, and I wouldn't be sh- I wouldn't be shocked at all if the leaks are actually accurate. Yeah. Oh my God! No, I sadly I apologize. Uh, I didn't read that part of the segment, so uh, my Mimix 2S is in the drawer. It's in the it's in the other room. Uh, Mimix 2S was my first experience with Xiaomi. Um, I have to tell you this much: I do not like their software, <laughs> but I do like their hardware a lot. Uh, I am very impressed, uh, and I am very, I don't like their software, but it took me a while to understand just how their software plays and the importance of the price tag that they charge for these phones. So for me, Mi Mix 2S is not just about how beautiful the phone is and the fact that it's ceramic. It's the fact that it's priced crazy aggressively and the fact that they use software in order to be able to subsidize the price tag uh, through the services that they sell. And so it took me a while to understand how their, their economics worked. I'm very impressed. Now I understand why they are so focused on the Chinese market because this is the place where they get the most amount of revenue. Their services don't work outside of China. So I'm going to tell you this much. Like, I I love the concept. If this Mi Mix 3 is real, I will definitely love to review it. Um, because one of the things that I didn't like about the Mi Mix 2S was that camera at the bottom and having to flip the phone around. And and uh, for me, that's just an added an added step that I felt to be... You know, I just I wish that they had like some sort of a way for you to flip the phone and for the phone to understand that you want to use a selfie camera. I don't know, something like that uh, through software. Um, but, uh, you know, I I've been debating the whole concept of mechanical parts. Obviously, I, I worked in aviation and I know how servos work and just the whole uh, just the mechanics that go into it. I find it amazing. And I like the fact that companies are are working in providing a solution to eliminating the bezel. I would prefer that to what Xiaomi did with the, what was the phone that they launched that looked like an iPhone? Like an iPhone 10? <laughs> which one? Uh, which one is the question? I'm like, well, all of them, I get it. But uh, the recent one that it, it even brought the, the, the notch. You're talking about everything. the Mi like, 8? That one, that one. Like for me, that was like, all right. Uh, yeah, that looks too much like an iPhone, guys. I, I get that they, they that they use Apple for a lot of their inspiration, and I love that they've provided their own unique approach to devices like the Mi Mix 2S. So I'm I'm all for it. Whatever the company does, so long as they continue with that perspective of providing amazing hardware, because it is amazing. It is a very well designed phone. It's a very beautiful phone. I will make a video on it. I, I promise. <laughs> uh, and so long as they do that, and they, um, I don't know. I. I it, they provide it and they re- retain the, uh, listen, I don't mind if they launch those phones outside of China. Like if they launch the United States, obviously they're soft and be like, all right, fine. We can't subsidize the hardware through software. So we're going to charge a little more, but this, there's this beautiful phone you can use. And now it has stock Android. I'm all for it, but that would be me. Yeah. Uh, definitely uh, a suggestion that I have is to check out uh, Martin Bartz's, uh video, Tech Alters video, uh, explaining how Xiaomi works, because it's definitely interesting. Cause it, I mean, including the fact that uh, the CEO mentioned that, oh, we're going to limit ourselves to uh, 5% margins on hardware sales from this point forward, which 
is going to be interesting as it expands around the globe. That's that's its goal, and perhaps maybe its services side will need to take time to catch up at the very least. If not, well, kind of dissociate itself altogether. I mean, we are under the, the kind of a red scare in the U.S. at the moment, a new red scare, you could say, Gen 2 uh, of that. So uh, definitely interesting to see uh, as uh, Xiaomi kind of wants its own empire to grow. Uh, as for this moment, I definitely want to take the time, say thank you to our friend Mario here from XDA. Uh, is there anything that you're happening to be uh, working on right now? Um, I'm just directing some articles behind the scenes, mainly. Um, been trying to do a in-depth creatively directing, <laughs> creatively directing, exactly. Um, trying to do something with the eraser phone, so maybe some in-depth performance analysis of this. I, I find that a 120 hertz display is so good. Like it's like the most perceptible mm. performance improvement that I've had on Android in a long time. Well, probably since the Pixel One. But um, or maybe the Nexus Five even because that phone was so smooth. Uh, but I, you know, that I just want to see more 120 hertz displays. You, you know, it's funny because I, I, my God, so I, 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 I have a Razer phone. I don't have it with me. Uh, but I didn't really notice much of a difference. Really? Like it's cool, it's cool. Uh, but yeah, you know, aside from scrolling every now and that's, then, which yeah, I that's hate, the thing though. Like that's the thing. Like it's just. Very smooth scrolling performance. In terms of, like, speed, like, okay, it's not as responsive as newer phones, but just a scrolling performance. And that has to do with the adaptive sync that it's going on in the background, yeah. which is, is able to adapt the frame rate so that you don't actually get stutters. Like, yeah, you, you get lower frame rates, some some load, some kind of uh, workloads, but, but you don't see stutters. And to me, that's great. Like, one of the reasons why I even got started uh, writing for XDA was because... I was really frustrated with my Galaxy Note 3 and all the stutters. And uh, I, that's how I got started into this whole thing, just by pointing out how terrible it Interesting. was. So. Interesting. Yeah, we've... Interesting. We've, I, I, I got started in Pocket Now because I bricked the PDA <laughs> <laughs> back in the day. <laughs> Who would have thought, man? Uh, shoot. I need to I need to go undust my user in, in XDA developers, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there, there was a time... That, there, there was a time where I was I was very active in XDA, but I'm trying to. It was a, back in the time of Windows Mobile, and they had like the coolest solutions. And then I, I switched to Android with the Nexus One. Uh, those were those are good times. Indeed, huh. indeed. I've been breaking phones since uh, my entry into Pocket now, so I can you be still proud break of phones. It. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> proud track record of that, uh, and uh, I'm sure that you'll be talking a lot about uh, some of the those developments as we uh, head into uh, more production of the Pocket Now Adverio. Oh, yeah. Uh, so first of all, uh, thank you everybody who subscribed to the Spanish channel. Um, this has been a project that's taken six months to take off. Uh, it's, it's mainly because launching a YouTube channel from scratch is not easy. Um, and I guess for we were very uh, worried about uh, the, the aspect of doing that. And obviously, you know, there's that element of possible failure. There's no guarantee if you have a popular channel on one end that you'll launch a second one and it'll go well. We've seen so many examples of colleagues that have tried it and it's not easy. And we really wanted to do Aliario in a way that would not... So right now you're just seeing the launch 
And therefore, a lot of the things are the fact that Sam, uh, who, who works with us, is currently sitting on the other end. Uh, you know, just the training, because like we do, for example, Pocketnow Daily and, and Final Cut, we do the Pocketnow Aliadio and Premiere Pro. Uh, so right now we're currently working with the same graphics package, but that's about to change. Uh, just the approach of how we do news is also going to change. Right now it's just you know, sitting like it's funny how it, it it's so easy for me to report the news in English. But then when I do it in Spanish, it's just Mario can tell you oh, yeah. like, you know, in Spanish, in Spanish, like in Honduras, we say camiseta for T-shirt in Argentina, they say remera. Mm. Like I was like, remera, like what the hell is that? You know, it's it, you go to every single country in Latin America and there are so many different ways to say the same thing. Yeah. And so it's just that difficulty of finding, like, I'll give you an idea, like recording a pocket out daily is literally five minutes of footage. Whereas if I record a diario, it's sometimes between 10 and 15, just because I'm like, yeah, I can't say that word. Yeah, that word doesn't mean I'm like, you know, you just get stuck with English sometimes. And just, a lot of the terminology is in English. But then how do you say it in Spanish? Like I, I got this comment the other day where it was like, yeah, but we say uh, terminal. I'm like, yeah, you say terminal in, in Spain. I get that. But terminal, if you look like if you look at the, uh, the descriptive definition of terminal, it's just the computer that's hooked up to a server, but it doesn't really have any. It doesn't really do anything. So I understand that this is what you colloquially say in your country, but it doesn't necessarily mean that that's the yeah. correct definition of a device. And so, yeah, going back to the topic, it's been it's been a labor of love. I'm just I'm so happy with the results. I wasn't expecting it to have such a great response so quickly. Um, and I just I invite you to subscribe. I I. We have a ton of unique content that's going to go into that channel. Uh, and I'm happy that I, we have the right team of people to get it done. Uh, and it's just going to take a little while to unwind the rest of the videos, like the reviews and the comparisons that are go going to go there. And there's going to be a quick transition period where a lot of things are going to look the same between English and Spanish. But the idea is not for things to be that way. So we'll keep you posted. A lot is coming. We definitely have a lot planned in store for you guys. So definitely stay tuned. Uh, we're crossing our fingers for some things to uh, happen and to uh, actuate. But until then, we're just going to keep delivering the same quality journalism that you expect out of us, editorial content as well. And, of course, the Pocket Now Weekly, which uh, this episode of is ending. But the conversation continues. Be sure to keep the conversation going by emailing us podcast at pocketnow.com. We really want to hear the thoughts that you want to get out and the questions you need answered. Also, we are all on Twitter. Hashtag PN Weekly for one. Mario is at Gun. That is T-A-C-H-Y-O-N-G-U-N. Yeah. Jaime Rivera is at Jaime underscore Rivera. That's J-A-I-M-E underscore R-I-V-E-R-A. And I'm on Twitter at Point Jewels. Pocket Now is at Pocket Now on Twitter, Facebook, Google Plus, and YouTube, where you can find the Pocket Now Daily every day with Jaime Rivera. Also, the Pocket Now Adirio on our Espanol channel. I definitely butchered that pronunciation. Uh, ES.pocketnow if you want to go in and um, brush up on your reading skills in Spanish. And uh, we certainly appreciate reviews and ratings on Apple Podcasts or wherever you happen to be streaming us. Without them, we wouldn't have been making this show for the past six years. For the team, I'm Jules Wong, and we shall see you, as always, next week.